Welcome to the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, where we showcase student entrepreneurs to learn about the startups they are working on, check in with alumni to hear about the companies they are building, and learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have built amazing companies. Hosted by Mark McNeese, a serial entrepreneur who has started for-profits, non-profits, social impact companies, and is currently entrepreneur-in-residence at the Jim Rand School of Entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. I'm Dr. Mark McNeese, your host. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Adam Kramer, uh, co-founder of Hall Pass and, and several other companies, and in town from Santa Monica uh, to speak this afternoon with the 7 under 30 at the Jim Rand College of Entrepreneurship. Welcome, Adam. Hey, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so you flew in last night? Yeah. From L.A.? Mm-hmm. All right. So LAX to Atlanta to uh, TLH? Yep. When was exactly. the last time you were in Tallahassee? Uh, last May, actually. Okay. So what my were brother, you doing? Uh, my brother just started FSU, and oh. so giving him a tour, we looked at all the Florida schools. Of course, FSU was the winner. So. All right. Great. <laughs> and when did you graduate from FSU? Uh, 2009. Okay. And uh, what, what degree did you get? I was an entrepreneurship major. All right. So... During your uh, time here, uh, what 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 did you do? What did you learn? Did you start a company? Mm-hmm. Yep. So while I was here, I started my first company. Um, I was in the Chempreneurs program, which was a very interesting kind of uh, bisection of chemistry and uh, entrepreneurship majors coming together to start a business and try and commercialize FSU technology. Okay. Um, so that was my first company, did that. What with, was that uh, called? That was called Florida Custom Synthesis. Okay, and, and what did they uh, do? So it was the first chemical synthesis company in Florida. Okay. So at and the what time, does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, chemical synthesis is kind of like, um, let's say you have Tylenol. Tylenol comes to us as a brand and says, hey, we want to make a you know, child's safe formula. So they would come to us with kind of a problem of here's, you know, our patented formula. We need to make changes that fall within this range of specifications in order to meet X solution. Okay. And so, um, you know, I don't have a chemistry background, but I was all business. And then uh, I worked with a chemistry professor and a chemistry PhD student on that. And they were the, you know, kind of chem brains behind that. And uh, it was just a very interesting time because right at that moment, um, I guess pretty much two or three months before we started it, the Florida legislature had just started to really incentivize biotech companies to move down into Florida. And so we saw, you know, Scripps and giant, giant biotech companies starting to come down into Florida. But uh, chemical synthesis was all still done in the Northeast and in the Southwest. So there was no local you know, provider for those services. So was that good or bad? It was a good thing for us because we ended up being the first one and we pretty much had... You know, anyone who wanted to work locally, we were the only ones to do it. Okay. Um, what happened so, with that company? Um, it was a great company. It was really interesting, but uh, honestly, I'll call it creative differences. We just had different uh, kind of visions of what we wanted to take the company and do with it. So uh, my co-founders were really passionate about having one lab where it was the best lab and we had the best stuff only going through that lab and they wanted to turn down everything that wasn't like the coolest best uh, projects and I was looking at it from you know the lens of like okay well we can have a lab like that but let's also do everything else like we have this unbelievable opportunity we're the first ones here other people are gonna come but let's capture that market while we can and um, so basically after a couple months we decided to split the company in two Mm -hmm. Um, that was my second company custom synthesis network 
Um, and so kind of IRAN Custom Synthesis Network, which was kind of an uh, essentially a network of labs. We were working with university labs all across Florida, um, really trying to utilize the specialties that each university uh, lab had. So, you know, different colleges are, are good at different things, bottom line. And um, then orders would come in. We would kind of assess them internally in Florida Custom Synthesis. If they wanted it, they had first right of refusal in the lab that we had here. If they didn't, it went out to the network and it would get fulfilled. And so um, that was, uh, I thought that was going to be kind of a good solution to it. Ultimately, um, they ended up being too busy to really kind of filter everything through Custom Synthesis Network. And, you know, again, I don't have the expertise on the chemical side there. I don't know whether to send it to one lab versus the other based on the, you know, specialties of, of what was required. So. Um, kind of made a decision at that point to just move on and uh, fold or sold. Um, fold. Okay. Yeah. Fair I mean, enough. I didn't officially fold it at that point. I thought maybe I'd pick it back up again, and um, you know, my most of my background is technology, and that's what I've done okay. my whole career. And so, um, you know, at the time, I had considered building out just a web platform where we could just take incoming orders, and wouldn't really matter where I was um, as long as I had someone to. You know, essentially assess the projects and make sure they get assigned appropriately to someone who can do them properly. So, closing down your first company, how did how did that? I I know it didn't feel good, but I mean, what was it devastating? Where you're like, you know what, good, I'm I'm freed up for other things. <laughs> what was going on with you? Yeah, um, you know, honestly, I've always had so many ideas of stuff that I want to do, and so closing that one down wasn't. It didn't suck. I mean, I got. I felt like it was an opportunity to to move on and do other things. And okay. yeah, I mean, at the time, you know, I had just graduated. It was a couple months after graduation, maybe one month after graduation. Actually, it was like really close after that. And um, my family had moved from Florida to Los Angeles, and you know, they were telling me, "Oh, come move to Hollywood. You'll love it." And you know, and so you know, I was kind of starting to get excited by the idea of that. And I mean, so much business goes through California and especially Los Angeles. It was right. like, wow, that just sounds like such a better opportunity than kind of getting stuck on this one thing. So and you so you moved 10 years ago to LA. Mm -hmm. And so you haven't moved since. I mean, you moved around LA. You started so, in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, I started in Santa Monica and I oh, kind of bounced around in, in LA, Monica. but yeah. Okay. Um, and so Hollywood's actually- Hollywood's a rough place to live. Yeah. It's, uh, not the best. I mean, you know, the Hollywood commercial. You've got to be a certain type of person to really embrace Hollywood life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Santa Monica is rough, too. I mean, just the traffic and yeah. everything. Just the west side in the, general. The great it's, 405 wall crossing yes, that's that. Right. Is a, <laughs> you said the 405, though, so you, you're saying it correctly. Yes. You, you got the the. I've learned. Of, uh, <laughs> everybody over here, it's like, I've moved from L.A., and I'm like, the 10. And they're like, no, the, the I-10. I right. They're like, no, it's the 10. I'm not sure when it becomes the I-10, but right. I'm from L.A., it's the 10. So, totally. uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good. So. Um, seven under thirty. Uh, this is a annual event during Startup Week that we do here in Tallahassee in the Jim Moran mm -hmm. College. Uh, I know you know all this, but I'm explaining it for oh, the course, audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, is an annual event and where we, uh, as Jim Moran College, in invite seven entrepreneurs who are under thirty uh, who started their company under thirty. 
uh, to come and, and speak. It's a big deal. Um, I think you guys are treated pretty well. Oh, yeah. yeah awesome. So, uh, yeah, you had a nice dinner last night. Where did mm -hmm. you guys go? Uh, the Champions Club. Okay, the Champions yeah. Club. Very, very cool. And uh, I know that you guys have lunch today, and then this afternoon you're going to be speaking. So uh, I know that you've done several different companies. Why were you invited to 7 Under 30 to speak? Um, so probably for the next company that I started once I was uh, out there, um, it was called Throne VIP. Um, Throne VIP? Mm -hmm. Okay, what's that? Yep. So uh, it was a nightlife tech company. Nightlife so, tech? Yep. So, okay, I have no uh, idea what nightlife tech yeah, is. Yeah, so <laughs> basically, no, well... <laughs> I guess that is not like that's not what we did. Though. Okay. So uh, it was basically a, a point of sale system for bars and nightclubs. Oh, okay. And then a kind of marketing app. So let's say. So you were Square. Uh, sorta. I mean, honestly, we were better than Square You're back then for that Square. specific, okay. you know. But um, I mean, it was it was region, a POS but, point of sale system, mm -hmm. and. But then it also had really you know powerful marketing tools built in. So like if you. Um, you know, back in your clubbing days, if you went out and bought a table or what you mean, bought back by... in my clubbing days, I'm still out clubbing. <laughs> Good, okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's, you know, whether it's like a, a club where you're buying tickets to it or you're buying bottles or there's just a cover charge to get in, we supported really the whole ecosystem of that. Okay. And so you could do that either directly on the like iPad point of sale or through your mobile phone. And so, you know, our users would look up, basically became a directory of like, what's going on tonight? What can I actually do? All right. Kind of um, like um, what Google does with events. Basically, yeah. you go on events and, mm -hmm. and you see everything that's happening yeah. around and you. And so back then, there really wasn't a good way to find that info. There was, you know, you could go on like an Eventbrite or one of the mm -hmm. big ticketing sites, but you only see the stuff that is listing their tickets there. And so the, you know, our take on it was, you know, we can do all that stuff internally ticketing, but we wanted to work directly with the venues, really close that loop of like, hey, here's someone, we're going to send them to you, and they can pay right through the app. Like, everything's through the app. It's all simple. They can find it, pay, invite their friends, split the cost with friends, things that, you know, really were problems that we saw and experienced when we would go out. And, you know, especially splitting the cost of stuff is, is such a pain in the ass. You know, it's right. like... Um, so you launched this around 09, is that...? I launched that... Um, actually, so initially... So backpedal a little here... Um, I was in LA for two years. Okay. Wasn't loving it. Um, thought maybe I would move to either Miami or New York. And what, I drove over. What did you choose? I, you know, I didn't choose. So uh, I, uh, I well, would you decided to. Choose at to some point. Well, <laughs> so I, I took the 10, okay. went down the street, ended up back in Tallahassee. Okay. Um, never chose New York or Miami. I was in All Tallahassee right. for 10 months. Um, I was doing just web development and design work for a client in Los Angeles, a billionaire. Okay. And uh, so great client. I was making L.A. money living in Tallahassee. That was great. Um, and, you know, at the time, I would work during the day. And at night, I had still a lot of my friends living here because I graduated early. So they were still in school and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so at night, I became a club promoter. Okay. In, in Tallahassee. And so that's really what kind of kicked this all off was, you know, pretty much day one of doing that. I'm like, wow, it's so difficult to, uh, you know, make reservations. Even for me, I have to text people and then they have to text someone and we don't know if that person got that text because I didn't talk to that person. I talked to this person. So you identified and, this friction mm -hmm. point in nightlife mm -hmm. and this is what your software, your yep. app. Uh, so that's initially kind of what it started as was mm -hmm. more of a promoter tool to okay. kind of 
you know, allow reservations to go through one central point. Right. But then it just kind of revealed more stuff that we could do to really kind of optimize the industry. And so um, ended up, you know, like I said, after 10 months, uh, went back to L.A. Uh, to work for the billionaire guy. Uh, really great. I ended up meeting my eventual investors through him. Okay. Um, this is, is this the uh is this the company that got angel investing? Yes. Okay. Very yeah. cool. And so, um, you know, fast forward maybe two and a half years, uh, just really saved up money working with him. I was traveling so much, I didn't have any time to spend any money, which was a good thing. So, um, you know, poured about 75 grand into uh, my company. And then, um, yeah, pretty much the day I left, it's actually a really, I, I lucked out. So the, the day I left uh, working for him, um, some of the people that I had worked with reached out to me and they were like, hey, you weren't at work, like, what's going on? And um, I told them, you know, I, I left to work on my company and they were like, oh, do you need funding? I'm like, sure. Oh, and wow. uh, it just, it worked out really. So let, me, let me pause you for a second <laughs> because a lot of our audience is, are not entrepreneurs and they mm -hmm. haven't gone and, and gotten seed funding or mm -hmm. angel funding and definitely not VC mm -hmm. uh, funds. So, um, Angel funding, or basically how startups, especially pre-revenue startups, before they're they're making money, uh, they need outside investment. And a lot of times, I'm asked the question like, why, why would an outside investor invest in a company that isn't making any money? Well, it happens all the time with companies like Uber and Lyft and Amazon and all these kind of big companies. The idea is that there's a there's a big enough uh, TAM, a total addressable market out there that that if you get a significant amount of market share, uh, that you're able to uh, overcome those early losses and and actually make a lot of money if it, when it goes IPO or venture or or if there's an ultimate sale. Uh, seed funding is usually a much smaller type of check. Uh, uh, it from individuals usually uh, what you call uh, from uh, the F three, which is friends, family, or fools, and and then you go to angel investors, which are are individuals of uh, usually substantial wealth who who will write a smaller check, you know, around. Uh, 50 grand is kind of like a, a average angel uh, kind of check. Uh, uh, did you say how much you got? Um, so our first round was 800K. Okay, 800K for, from an angel, from an individual. Oh, uh, it from was, several. Uh, so yeah, it was. A were you couple. part of a portfolio or was it just no, you? No. Um, so basically, the one person that kind of invested first brought his whole family in on it. And so okay. it was a, a group of. Of his family members and friends and stuff. Okay. What was the average check size? Uh, the first four of them were, um, I, I think, 200 grand each was the first. Okay. Yeah. And Great. Then, yeah. And they can, a lot of times, you know, it can go up to about a million dollars. And then people are often cons uh, confused, and we'll get back to you in a second, but just getting people up to speed yeah, here. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, the difference between angel investing and, and venture is is venture's uh, corporate money. It, it's you're not. It, it changes the relationship. So Adam was probably uh, those people were probably on your board, and you were having interaction mm -hmm. with them. Uh, the people actually gave you the money. With VCs, they're basically brokers, and you're now dealing in a corporate situation, and you actually. Uh, 
don't know, um, don't necessarily know uh, the investors. And, and it really changes, or it becomes more of like, you need to accelerate your company and, and get a return on investment or they'll just shut you down or fire the CEO. We're angel investors, um, usually is a little bit what you would call patient money. So that's 800 grand, um, that, that's fantastic. Um, obviously, and so what happened next? Um, so, you want to talk about some of the problems because we had a lot, and they're pretty interesting. <laughs> so, let, tell me what you did. What what was the eight hundred for? Okay, so the eight hundred was really to finish building out the platform. Okay. Um, at the time, I had kind of teamed up with someone that I was working for for with a, with for a few years, and um, he was kind of building out the tech. Mm -hmm. I was really kind of the nightlife relationship person and okay. kind of designing what needed to be built. And um, so we basically got to a beta mm -hmm. um, and uh, things went south very quickly. Okay, what um, happened? So my co-founder decided that he and his team deserved you know, more equity, more cash, and um, we had just hired a whole sales team. We had just, you know, we were basically ready to go out and sell this thing. And uh, how many people on the team at this point? Um, so we had four salespeople. So very large uh, sales team. Mm -hmm. so we were really expecting to run with this. Um, and then uh, it was two, three developers, and then myself. Okay, and no revenue. No revenue yet. Okay. Yeah. And so. Um, you know, that was really a major turning point for us. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of what ultimately led to us not being able to make it, spoiler alert, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so things didn't work out with him. We couldn't come to an agreement, and he... Uh, Tell me about the operating agreement. Uh, uh, what was the equity split? How, how, much, how much did... What was the evalu valuation of the company when, they, uh, when the money came in? Um... I think we valued it at 400k. Um, so we ended up with 50 us and 50 for the investors. So it was actually a pretty, uh, pretty great deal for the investors. That's usually not as right, high as you would that, go. That, yeah, that you yeah. sold off a huge yeah. chunk of your company right out of the gate. So yeah. okay, they they have a bunch of it, and then. How many co-founders were you working with? Um, one other at the time. One other, so 25, 25. Um, I think I was. 30 and he was 20 maybe, okay. Yeah, I forgot. Okay, so team, founding, you know, uh, teams, did you have a good operating agreement? Or did we you did. feel like so you had a good operating the thing agreement? Is, you know, Were you the CEO? Yeah, I was the CEO. Okay. So, I mean, look, when it comes down to it, the agreement can be very strong, but, you know, it's the kind of situation where when someone leaves, do you want to get into a lawsuit with them and try and recover something that maybe not be recoverable? Right. And, you know, when you're in a lawsuit in less than a year of, of operating, are we going to get any more capital ever, right. you know? So we made just, you know, a decision to basically start over. Okay, let me and pause, so, yeah. pause there because uh, I've been through a company breakup and it, it's it's heart at least for me it was heart wrenching. Yeah. So I went I like you just like oh we made the decision and my, like <laughs> there's probably some sleepless nights in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, like 
how how did you come to the decision that just parting ways was the ultimate answer? Um, I had a lot of like a very good relationship with our legal counsel, and you know we laid out all of the potential options and potential solutions, and um, you know I also was very close with our investors as well, which was helpful. And I mean it wasn't it definitely wasn't an overnight decision. I mean to your point, it, it took really months to decide what right. we wanted to do and it's like a divorce that was, yeah. i mean it, it, it you've like knit yourself with these other people mm -hmm. and with the you know you're really optimistic right this mm -hmm. is going to work and then when you figure out it's not going to work and you try to make it work and it's just it's a slow bleed yeah <laughs> no, it was it was really rough i mean you know at the time um i mean it's hard to deal with any of that i mean like yeah. how did you deal with it Ugh, a lot of sleepless nights, you yeah. know, just a lot of trying to, you know, talk with anyone I could to get kind of outsider perspective. But, you know, again, like I said, I, I did luckily have a great relationship with the investors and they were all very seasoned, successful business people. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it just comes down to, you know, can't be too emotional with your business decisions right. and um, kind of a, you know, get over it move on kind of situation and you know we still had a couple hundred grand left and so at that point we took in more capital from the early investors uh, all in I think we were at uh, 1.4 ish okay um, so you know we took that in a couple more pieces over the next year and a half but um, so you know we started rebuilding at that point which was uh, scary you know I now had these salespeople yeah, I was gonna say what, what yeah, happened to so, the salespeople uh, that they were four like of the top salespeople at this company that I got them from, and part of the deal to get them over and taking you know a quarter of their salaries was I put them on contract, mm -hmm. and so that ended up really biting me in the ass. That was a decision I really kind of regretted. I loved them. I was actually friends with a lot of them. Um, some of them I grew up with, but um, so I knew they were capable. I knew they were really great people, but mm -hmm. they, you know they weren't the right people that we needed at the time in the company when we're rebuilding and so it caused a lot of rifts in kind of our relationship as well because now we have salespeople that came on to sell this great product that doesn't exist anymore right and then we're rebuilding from nothing and you know um, we you know planned it out so it was multiple releases and why, why didn't you just close down the company to get out of the contracts and mm -hmm. and restart Completely. That's a good question. Um, I don't really have a great answer okay. to that. Okay. I mean, it's something we considered, but um, I don't know, just right. not the route we went. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, wanted to honor those contracts probably and honor those friendships. Yeah. I mean, to an extent. I right. Mean, but also, um, you know, when we had restarted that development, the uh, timeline sounded a lot different than it ended up being and so you know that's one thing I've definitely learned over the years now is everything costs twice as much and takes twice as long yeah. that's just you know no, no matter how, how good you plan it's, no matter how, <laughs> how good you plan yeah. and, and and it, if it only takes twice as long and twice as much, you're doing, yeah, you're a doing great okay, job. Right? <laughs> usually for me, it's like five times as much. Oh, man, and, yeah. you know, I'm a little more optimistic and five times as long if it ever. Uh, so, all right. So, 
ultimately what happened with this company? So we did end up rebuilding the platform. Um, we ended up doing beta launches actually in Tallahassee, which was kind of fun being okay. back here for that. Um, and kind of the goal was we needed to, with the capital we had left, get enough testing done and as much real world experience as we could get to basically show numbers to investors and raise an A round. So that was going right. to be our VC round. Okay. And, um, you know, frankly, we didn't hit the, uh, the stride that we needed to. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have enough capital to really push it and get the numbers of users that we needed to get. And, you know, LA is very, I mean, you're from there, you get it. It's just so spread out. It's so big. And mm -hmm. so some of the problems that we were looking to solve, while they're very applicable to LA, getting those problems, you know, getting the awareness of, hey, I actually have that problem. Hey, that's a good solution for me. I mean, there's just so many millions of people there to advertise to and everything. It's very yeah, expensive. Yeah, it's, so, very, it's very expensive. It's yeah. very saturated. One thing that about LA market is there's so much going on that people's minds shift to just their own world because it's mm -hmm. just, you know, Metro LA with 13 million people, it just, you can't comprehend that many people and, and everything that's going on. It drive you, blow your, yeah. blow your brain out, you know, like it's interesting being from LA, you know, and like when a football game's going on, if you don't go to the football game, it's a great time to go to Publix and go right. shopping, right? <laughs> but 80,000 people in LA could do something and you wouldn't notice, right? Right? It wouldn't change anything. Right, nothing. It's just <laughs> totally different, you know, and, and uh, so that, so what, what, so did you, did you sell the technology? What, what happened? Was it full, fold or sold on this one? Uh, that was tried to sell, uh, didn't sell and ultimately folded okay yeah so that was also a pretty hard decision for us i mean we tried to sell it for a while and you know that was i, I would say that was my first real failure in business i mean okay. the previous company that was really a decision like you know yeah i want to fold that one but this one was really like i mean it was heavy it's like i, I didn't succeed in what the goal was right. and for as close as we were, we were that far away from being able to make it. And so, you know, I spent probably over a year trying to sell the company with no revenue coming in, just living off my savings and, you know, debt and just, right. you know, it was, uh, in retrospect, I, I wish that I had kind of moved on earlier from that. And yeah. so that's been a big learning lesson. I mean, there's fail, the whole fail, fail fast. fast. Yeah. yeah. It's and a cliche, but it's a true one. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is not working. I just got... Uh, so, in retrospect, is there something that you feel like you could have done different? Like, what did you learn? Uh, yeah. Here's the bad <laughs> question. What did you learn from this? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we could have done different. I mean, um, a lot of it comes down to, and, you know, everything, obviously falls on me because I was the CEO, but um, a lot of it comes down to trust and relationships that I had with people that, um, you know, I probably gave too much leeway to the first guy and didn't have proper protection over the IP that was being created because mm -hmm. I had worked with him for years. How could right. he ever yeah. leave me, you know? And um, so when he left and I couldn't access anything, it was kind of like, how could you let that happen? And, right. you know, granted, that was a screw up. Um, and then, you know, getting the early sales team in on contract was 
it seemed like the right decision at the time so I could get access to that talent. Right. Um, but then when shit went down, it uh, you know really became a heavy burden on the company. Um, and then to your point of, well, why didn't you just start over, get rid of the contracts? Um, when we started over the software development, we moved to an outsourced uh, development company. And so... Oh, that's very expensive. It's, well, yeah, it can be. Um, we went with an Indian team that um, okay. actually my, so my dad has a software development company and he had worked with them okay. uh, for years at that point. And so it was someone that we had pretty high confidence that they could, you know, achieve the goals. And, um, you know, I, at that point, um, really should have taken over a closer look on the project management side, but because I had so much faith in them because of their relationship with my dad, I didn't. And so what ended up being, you know, quoted as a three-month turnaround for our next beta, um, which, you know, was a good enough reason to say, okay, let's keep the people on and right. do all this, uh, really ended up being like seven months before yeah. we had a beta. And so, um, you know, it's just a, a lot of timing things, a lot of things that if, uh, you know, I had the... Uh, the experience already of, of knowing that I needed to be watching this more closely and, you know, not trusting people to just do what they say and making, like, bottom line, it, it comes down to always having the visibility and taking responsibility for everything and not thinking that someone else is going to do what they say they're going to do unless they show that they're doing it repeatedly and yeah. still keeping an eye on it, you know. I see this a lot that young companies coming out that, Either they, they need to attract a seasoned CEO or attract a killer board mm -hmm. that, that's going to mentor the new CEO. I, I've seen it work really well both ways, but it seems easy, right, to do a startup and, and know all the moving parts, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you, got, you need to build those, that's those strategic partnerships and, you know, either they're on their board or they're somehow on your team, just mm -hmm. like, hey, I've been down here, I've done this, and this is what we got to do. So, all right, so um, uh, now Hall Pass, that's your, your <laughs> yep. newest venture, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah, well, tell us about Hall Pass. Yeah, so Hall Pass was initially something that I actually wanted to kind of explore back when I was doing Throne. Um, so basically, and I'll segue into it, but uh, Throne... Our members were kind of, you know, anyone could join, get the app, and get access to everything. So it was kind of a, a mass first class kind of thing. That was the, the mass solution. Right. Um, but we, you know, especially in the hospitality industry, there is that kind of VIP tier of people that they're the people that buy tables when they go out. They're the people that, you know, eat at the most expensive restaurants. And, okay. you know, so we wanted to be able to cater to them as well through our system. Um, when Throne didn't work out, um, took a couple years in between, did some other stuff, but uh, that one piece of really wanting to cater to that kind of VIP class and, and tier of people uh, really stuck with me. And um, so about nine or ten months ago now, um, decided to partner up with uh, basically the most you know, influential, successful uh, event and venue promoter in Hollywood. And... Uh, you know, start up that element of what was going to be thrown, and uh, it's called Hall Pass. And so, uh, essentially, what we do is we cater to you know high-end tastemakers in Los Angeles, 
and uh, we have a card. Really what do you mean nice. by tastemakers? So, you know, people that when they make a decision to do something, other people follow. Okay. And so whether that's... Like influencers. Well, it could be an influencer. It can be, uh, you know, I mean, in, in a social media sense, it could be an influencer. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, a business person that they have their network of people that trust what they say, like, hey, try this product. It's a great product. Right, um, but this is like, like restaurants I, and clubs yeah. kind of So thing. we cover okay. dining, we cover um, travel, we cover nightlife, uh, lifestyle, so gyms, you know, anything that you would do for fun. Ultimately, we want to build this as like a lifestyle card. So, right. you know, we're not the first people in this space. There, there's competition here. But um, what we have in L.A. is just such a breadth of connections through... Uh, James, my partner, and myself from when I was doing Throne, um, that we really are tied in already with the best places. And so that's really become our goal is to connect the best people with the best places. And uh, So, so I, I, I read in your company bio you have 300 members already. Yep. So that's some great traction. And yep. these are all... VIP level mm-hmm. kind of uh, members, and you know, you didn't call me to become a member, so I guess I didn't make the cut. <laughs> Got to move but, back to LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, LA is a great place to live if you make a lot of money. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when you said, I'm making LA money in in Tallahassee. That's a good deal. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good deal. But making Tallahassee money in LA is not, oh, not a good, a good deal. deal. <laughs> uh, I'm not just a poor school teacher. So, <laughs> I, uh, so. And I don't know, is this confidential, or can you like tell us some names of people who are part of your platform? Uh, I can't tell you any names okay. of people, but I can tell you, you can the tell kinds you, of people. I'm not so. one of them. So. <laughs> it's not Mark. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, basically, you know, they range from professional athletes to um, you know successful entrepreneurs, some that have exited you know, mm-hmm. seven, eight figures. Yeah. Um, even nine figures, actually, on one of them. Um, it almost sounds like you know NetJets. Yeah. Yeah. So almost uh, NetJets is a basically a limousine version of of air air travel uh, kind of thing, and just very elite, wealthy people are on NetJets. My brother's a pilot um, for NetJets. So it's almost like it's like it's a very niche market, right? And and. Uh, and, th- and those type of people, if you do it well for one or two of them, they talk, right? Right. And is that how basically this has grown? Yeah. And all the growth so far has been word of mouth, which is really great. Um, so, so are these members, are they paying yet or are they free? all yeah. free memberships? Um, it's a blend. Blend. You know, uh, we certainly seeded a certain amount right. of cards exactly. out there to get the visibility on it. And um, that really is all we had to do was get it in a few people's hands and then the rest wanted it, you know, right. which is, is really cool. And even, I mean, again, you said in LA, you know, 80,000 people do something, you don't even blink, it doesn't, right. it doesn't even make a difference. And so, you know, we're looking to get maybe 5,000 members total in LA, which in the greater scheme of things is nothing, but that's, you know, less than a quarter of 1%. But those types of people are exactly the kind of people that when we mobilize them and get them to a venue, whether it's in a group or just, you know, through the access that we give them with the card, mm-hmm. um, those people are, you know, always increasing that value per seat right. in a restaurant or just the spend in general in, in another kind of venue or for any kind of service. So that's, you know, essentially what we say to the partners is, look, give us a perk. So it's a perk-supported platform. So mm-hmm. basically, you know, like you get a free round of champagne when you go out or a free drink or skip okay. the line or 
you know, discounts of, of sorts. And so um, the way we kind of work out those perks, and they're better perks than on any other platform, is because the level of our members is higher than on any other platform. Right. And so, um, you know, so far it's going really great. I mean, um, right now we're actually talking about raising another round of funding, or, or the first round of funding, actually. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you, like, what, where did the money come from to, mm -hmm. to start it up? Uh, so bootstrapped it. It was all my okay. partner and I just putting in the time and money. And, you know, luckily, um, you know, technology has changed a lot from when I tried to, you know, had to spend a million bucks to build Throne. And um, it's just so much more efficient now. I actually was able to build all of it myself so far, um, which we'll call it free. I mean, obviously, it's my right. time, but, yeah. you know, it didn't cost Great us anything. Strap. Yeah. And um, how's your relationship with the previous investors? Um, friendly. I okay. mean, uh, yeah, they're, lose they're not Did happy about losing the money, of right, course. Exactly. And, you know, one day I hope I, I can really pay them back. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're on good terms. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so you're looking, you're, when do you think that you're going to be out looking for some angels? Um, so we're already talking to a few. Okay. Um, basically, you know, luckily the, the model, the business model here is, is very efficient. And so we don't need a whole lot of capital in order to kind of get... What do you think get, you need to raise? Uh, we're only raising 50K for this. Okay. So, yeah, pretty small, relatively small What are you valuing amounts. the company at? 950K. So we're okay. doing 5% for the... All right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, basically we're getting that value out of the, the software and, and everything that we've built. And then, you know, the members and the data we have, I mean, the data is huge. Data is super valuable. We have a right. ton of it and we have it for really valuable people. Right, so, exactly. you know, not that we sell that data per se, but the way that we can utilize that data to connect with these people and, you know, uh, really utilize that to create extra value out of these people when they go to a place and, uh, you know, when they interact with a venue, the venue does get that data as well, so they can see, like, at that moment, like, oh, Mark likes, uh, you know, this kind of whiskey or mm -hmm. prefers this kind of fish or likes that table in the back. Oh, so, nice. you know, there's um, so a lot of... This, their service level as well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, really, everyone's benefiting from it. It's kind of one of those cool things where it's like no one's really losing out, which is, is awesome. I, that's something that's a really cool factor of this company that, I mean, I guess, you know, we always hope that, you can sell it that way, but I mean, in this case, it, there's really no downside, which is, is really cool. Everyone right. is so happy to be a member, to have our members coming to them, to have you know the membership revenues coming into us. It's just a really, right. really cool. Um, are are you? Is this your only thing, or are you working as well um, to help support it? So I've kind of always had a web development and design firm that, you know, I mean, I spin it up as much as I need to to support whatever okay. else I'm doing. I and, gotcha. um, you know, the last year, um, I s really spent the majority of my time building Hall Pass. And okay. so, Tell me um, about the name. Why Hall Pass? Um, well, a couple of reasons. Uh, so when you think of a Hall Pass, kind of your, you know, ticket to having a good time, essentially, we'll call it. Okay. You know, that's kind of... I don't think technically that's what hall yeah, passes are know. for, but okay. <laughs> um, you know, so... <laughs> you get it. I mean, yeah, I get essentially, it. No, it was, no, it was that kind of thing. But then I also my... my own hall passes in, in high school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, there's that kind of hall pass, too, you know. Um, but 
Uh, also, my business partner, his last name is Hall, James Hall. And oh, so, okay. Um, it was kind of a, especially because his network out there, again, being a promoter, okay. his name really means something out there. Right. And so, when James Hall creates the Hall Pass, it. it means something. Okay, and that makes so sense. So, play on words, but also really hyping up his name and utilizing the connections we have there. Well, cool. So, what what's next? You know, what uh, you, you think you're going to be looking for some uh, angel investment if... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I know that we have some angels who who uh, listen to this podcast. So cool. if you if any of them contact me, if you want, if, absolutely. If you want, okay, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you want to talk to Always. them? <laughs> uh, right. So if you're interested in Hall Pass and getting in on the seed round, fifty fifty grand for for uh, five percent, you know, just just reach out to me and I'll I'll connect you with Adam. Um, yeah, uh, for, for, for only 1% of the company brokerage fee. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, okay, uh, anything else? Like, I mean, what's, what's on the horizon? Um, so, you know, at this point, I'm definitely really focused on growing Hall Pass, and we're starting in L.A. because it's a market we have such good right. connection in. But, you know, ultimately, it's something that translates really well in any market. And so just finding the right people that are kind of the James of that market is kind of going to be the next task and grow that to as many markets as we can. And... Um, yeah, that's that's certainly one of the things. And then, other than that, I mean, I, I always have multiple stokes in the fire that, you know, trying to. I kind of learned early on, well, really from the big throne failure. You know, putting all your eggs in one basket is. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so throne you know, learning, not yeah. throne failure. <laughs> okay, right. I like that. Yeah. Um, a, <laughs> hey, I mean, what is a million dollar MBA? Right. <laughs> uh, I, so. I always like to ask, um, you know, is, was were there any uh, uh, faculty or staff here at, at FSU that 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 stands out that that you would just like to acknowledge? You know, yeah. that uh, faculty and staff here at FSU takes a lot of just pride in, in investing in in students and and so it's a nice way to just kind of like thank. So anybody yeah. along the way? Uh, two specifically. Um, so Jim Dever. Oh, was yeah. just unbelievably supportive of me in the beginning and, um, you know, through the whole Kempreneur thing, he was definitely my go-to person. Okay. He taught me so much and he's been so successful and learning from his success. And yeah, he's it, that amazing. Was he's amazing such resource. Such an amazing resource, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, still to this day, I mean, we don't talk quite as much anymore, but it's he for years was, was my, you know, uh, mentor for you know entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah. yeah um so jim was great thank you jim i really <laughs> appreciate it um then also randy blass oh, so Randy's also he's great. awesome he's now you know director of the entrepreneurship school and uh, institute institute yes Sorry. jim moran institute the institute um and uh you know i only had him for one class actually when, okay what class was um that? social entrepreneurship really yeah okay yeah but um through that ended up getting involved with uh the ebv entrepreneurial okay. yeah. boot camp for veterans right. and that was just such a cool experience getting to use what we had learned in school and you know what we had learned from our mentors and really help people that had real business problems start a business you know take that learning and give our feedback like just the being able to give feedback and, and help someone grow something that I really, really loved that, and that opportunity was just, I mean, it's really changed kind of how I look at business ever since then. Yeah, that's a, that is a great program. I got mm -hmm. to be involved in that as well, and, and just working with the vets and helping their dreams come alive is 
super cool. Oh yeah, it felt great, and I mean, it was just such a great learning experience too. I loved it. Well, great. Well, I really appreciate you getting up really early, you know, <laughs> flying in from LA last night and three hour time change and, and sitting down. And I'm looking forward to listening to you speak uh, at 730 uh, um, this evening when you fly home. Um, so I actually extended my trip pretty long. I'm going to be here for a week oh, okay. uh, doing some business out here. Then going to do Thanksgiving down in Boca. Oh, nice. And then uh, after Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm going back. All so. right. Well, awesome. Uh, thanks for coming in, Adam, yeah, and you. best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. If you would like to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe via your favorite player. Also, if you like the podcast, please take the time to share it on social media, give it a five-star rating, and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you enjoy your podcasts. This will help us get the word out to other entrepreneurs that the FSU Entrepreneurship Podcast has been launched.